0: Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. We have, you may or may not know, that we have a sister church in a town called Mülheim, Germany. And that church is pastored by Uh, Jürgen von Hagen, who is dear, dear, dear to us all. He's like our our mislocated brother who should live here, but we can't get him to move. And he hasn't been able to come and visit us for two years because they won't let people out of Germany. It's the epicenter of all sickness, is Germany. (laughs) But finally... Jurgen is able to be with us this morning. And he pastors the Free Evangelical Church of Mülheim and he has uh uh a wife, Ilsa, and children and grandchildren. And but he's just a man who has loved us year after year through through relationship uh that's existed before even this church existed. So Jurgen has connections here 28 years Jurgen or more more than that and so we love him if you're new and have not yet seen or known Jurgen this is just to give you some acquaintance with him so Jurgen would you come please and preach to us
1: Good morning. When I packed my stuff on Thursday morning to get on an airplane, my wife said, do you really want to do this? I mean, fly across an ocean for not even a week. She would never do that because she hates flying. And I said, look, I really need to breathe some Indiana air. (laughs) It's so much good and better air than what we have in Germany. And, um, and I said, I really need to see my brothers and sisters in this church. It's been two years, and we were so hungry for this church that during the summer vacations, we started uh, watching some of the, uh, the streaming of the worship services. So we got at least a little bit to see, and I saw Bob, and I saw Elizabeth. Where is she? There she is. And Dawn, but all f- only from the back. And now I can see you from the front. And it's it looks so much better. <laughs> and uh, and it's three dimensional. You know. I have uh, greetings, greetings from your sister church over in Germany. Max is getting close. It's Mülheim. Mülheim is... You're doing fine, Max. Um, By the grace of God, the church has held together well um, during the COVID time. We were the first in our town who went back to uh, worship services in presence on the first Sunday of May last year. Every, everybody else was closed. we were open simply for the reason because uh, we have a large part of our people who live on welfare and they simply don't have the equipment to uh, follow worship services on zoom and then we have another large part of the church which are old people and they have the money to buy the equipment but they don't know how to use it <laughs> And so we decided to go back um, as soon as that was possible. And uh, some people around uh, from other churches said, that's really bad. You ought to close your church as a sign of solidarity. And I said, that's stupid. Solidarity with the city and the country is to worship God and pray. And pray for the city and pray for the country. And so that is uh, what we did. Now, um, if you haven't made any plans for Easter Monday next year, April 18, 2022, uh, we're going to celebrate our 120th anniversary. And you're all invited. Go get a a plane ticket and come on over. It's going to be a wonderful occasion to get to know the church and uh, we are very very grateful that you guys pray for us and we do the same we pray for you it's a privilege for us so thank you very much our sermon text this morning is from the gospel of matthew matthew 24 verses 36 to 51 this is from a Larger passage where Jesus is talking about the end of times. And uh, we start with Matthew 24, verse 36, where Jesus says, But of that day and hour no one knows, no, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but my Father only. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man." For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house be broken into. Therefore you also be ready For the Son of Man is coming at an hour, you do not expect him. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods." But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour he's not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. What is time? Have you ever thought about what is time? Well, the easy answer is time is what we all don't have, right? What is time? We, we modern people think that time progresses, that moment comes after moment, hour after hour, Day after day, year after year. It seems natural to us that yesterday's behind us and tomorrow lies ahead. So natural we don't even think about that. And at the same time, we're so focused on our daily and hourly activities that we lose sight of the bigger picture. You know, when I take my little granddaughter, she's now just over two years old, when I take her in the morning and I say, let's go to the baker and get some good fresh bread, it's like a quarter mile walk and she walks with me and you know what happens with little girls. She gets so excited about every little step. There's a leaf there. Oh, there's a bug there and look at that. And so she forgets about the baker (laughs) and She doesn't know where she came from and she doesn't know where she's going to. And isn't that how we deal with time very often? That we're so focused on the next hour or what's gonna happen the next day and all the things we need to do that we forget where we came from and we forget where we're going to. Where does time come from and where does it go to? At the time when Jesus walked on the earth, most people were convinced that the answer to this question is time moves in circles. The old cultures of the Assyrians and Babylonians and then later the Greeks and the Romans, they thought that time was just one big circle, that there was no beginning and no end, that everything was repeating itself after a while. And part of that thinking was that when a man dies, his soul goes into the underworld and then comes back in a new body and lives a new cycle of life and then goes back to the underworld and then comes back and lives another cycle of life. And so it's just one endless cycle. Our concept of time is totally different. We think of time as a line, right? And that comes directly from the Word of God. The Bible tells us on the very first page that time has a beginning. In the beginning is the first sentence of the Bible. And so there's a beginning of time, and then the Bible tells us there will also be an end of time, an end which God has ordained and fixed before the beginning of time there was a timeless state of the world called eternity in which only god father son and holy spirit existed after the end of time there will again be a timeless state in which god will exist together with his people in his eternal kingdom and did you know that this is completely consistent with modern physics? Because modern physics tells us that there was once all the mass of the universe compressed in something as big as a nut. And then with original bang, boom, things started to move. And that's what phys- physicists call time. Only when atoms move is their time. And eventually, everything will shrink back and will again become the size of a nut. And so, again, there will be a timeless state. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us. We come from eternity. We go to eternity. And God, as we heard from Psalm 90, God is from eternity to eternity. When Jesus promised that all those who believe in him have eternal life, he did not say that we will have a very, very long life, 10,000 years and more. What he meant was that eternal life is life after the end of time. Life in a state in which time no longer exists. Hey, good news, that means we won't get older. It's life in a state in which time no longer exists and like God himself, his chosen people will be in his eternal kingdom and eternally enjoy his love and his glory. Because time has a beginning and time has an end, what is past is past. And it will never come again. And the future is ahead of us until it becomes past. Time keeps moving towards its goal. And what is the goal of time? It's the establishment of the eternal kingdom of God. The fact that time has a beginning and an end is perfectly reflected in our belief that when a man dies, his soul rests until the end of time. Time has a beginning and an end. As your lifetime has a beginning and will have an end, the lifetime of the universe and everything in it had a beginning called creation and it will have an end and the word of God calls that end the day of the Lord. The prophets talked about the end of time, the terrible day of his coming. Who can endure it? Jesus, early in Matthew 24 tells us what that day will be like. And he speaks of disasters of cosmic dimensions, the sky rolling up and falling apart, and the sun falling down, and the stars falling down, and the moon not shining anymore, wars and diseases causing mankind to fear and tremble. All this will happen. The universe, as we know it, will disappear. And then the Lord Jesus will appear with great glory to judge all men, those living and those already dead. His angels will go out before him and bring all the saints, his holy church, those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, safely home to his kingdom. There will be a new, a perfectly good creation The saints will live in it with God in eternity and the only connection between the old and the new creation will be what? The word of God, the word of Jesus. Now, knowing that the end of all things will certainly come, the natural question is to ask, when will that be? It's a natural question to ask and the disciples, in fact, ask that question of Jesus. When? We would like to know when because if we know, then we can get ready, right? We can prepare ourselves. And so the question is, what would you do if you knew that the end of time comes next Wednesday? What would you do if you knew that Jesus for sure will come on Wednesday. People have thought about that question a lot. And some of the answers you will find on the internet. Just Google, what would you do if the end of time happens on Wednesday? Some people say, I would go and see my, all of my friends quickly and throw a big party. And others say I would eat and drink as much as I can. And yet others say I would finally read all those books I always wanted to read. Flo, you would be one of them, right? (laughs) Like me. (laughs) And then there are some who say I would go and destroy as many things as I can. And these are all variants of what Isaiah says. Joy and gladness let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And that shows us this question has moved people even centuries ago. The book of Revelation tells us that all those enjoying riches and comforts in this life will weep and mourn, blaspheming God and try to hide from his wrath. Now people, all of you live in comfort and riches compared to the people at the time of Jesus. And so the question is, if you knew for sure that Jesus comes on Wednesday, what would you do? Wrong question, Jesus says. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour of the the end of time except the Father in heaven who created the universe. He set that time and it will come. But we don't know when it will be. It is not for us to know. And so our role is to live in that suspense of knowing there will be an end of time for sure. We just don't know when. Could be this afternoon, could be Wednesday, could be in 2,000 years. And so the right question to ask is how should we then live, not knowing when the end will come? In this text from Matthew 24, Jesus shows us two options, two possible answers to the question how should we live? First option, just forget about it all. Just forget about the end. Just forget about the coming judgment. Live as if time would go on forever. If you choose that option, you will focus your attention entirely on the ordinary things of this world, on your daily activities in the world, on getting married and having children, eating, drinking, partying. Jesus compares this answer, this option, with life before the great flood in the days of Noah. Now, listen to what the Bible says about the days of Noah. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But... This is an important word. But. But Noah found what? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Lord warned him and told him to build an ark. And the people around Noah saw the man build an ark to prepare for God's judgment. Now, just picture what's going on there old man Noah builds a ship in his yard on dry land and his neighbors are watching him and thinking he's going crazy and they ask him Noah what are you doing and Noah says the Lord the Lord will destroy all life on on earth if you're not ready for it and the people were so busy with the daily activities, that they didn't heed his warning. And when the flood came, they were all taken by surprise and perished. In Luke's parallel account of this speech, in Luke 17, Jesus compares this option with life in Sodom before its destruction in the days of Lot. The people ate and drank, bought and sold, planted and built until Lot went out from the city and the Lord rained fire and brimstone on it, taking the people by surprise and killing them. Now mind you, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and buying and selling. There's nothing wrong with the things of ordinary life per se. God has ordained getting married God has ordained having children God has ordained doing business and planting and building and he wants us to enjoy eating and drinking he wants us to enjoy fellowship what is wrong is to get so much absorbed in all these things that you forget about the Lord and his day of judgment if the Lord's day takes you by surprise you will perish And you have no right to say I didn't have a warning. God has warned you. We don't know when, but the end of time will come. On that day, Jesus says, two men will be in the field. One will be safely taken home by the angels. The other will be left to perish. It will be the same with two women grinding at the mill And in Luke's account, it will be the same with two men lying in a bed. The point of this saying is twofold. Number one, on the day of the Lord, at the end of time, the bonds of this time, the bonds of this life will cease. Whatever it is, your work, your family relations, or your friendships that bind you to other people, That will be completely irrelevant. What matters will be that you're ready for the great day. And secondly, in the examples of Noah and Lot, many people perished, few were saved. Now, Jesus doesn't say that to scare you, he says that to guard you against false security. We have no reason to assume that most or almost people, all people will be saved. You know, over in Germany, we we have a tendency in many people to think that, yeah, Adolf Hitler, he will go to hell, but everybody else will be in heaven. That's not what the Bible says. Few will be saved. And therefore... You should beware not to become lazy and negligent. When the Lord returns, he will know all the saints that belong to him and his angels will bring home not a single person more and not a single person less. Every single one will be saved. But those who go for the first option They forget about Jesus. They forget about Judgment Day. They entangle themselves completely in the affairs of this world and they will not be among those who will be saved. Spiritually speaking, they fall asleep in this world and they will perish with it. And you, if you love them, you warn them. The other option is to live in the permanent expectation that the end will come, be it soon or be it late. That's what Jesus calls watch or stay awake. And Jesus uses three images or parables to explain the meaning of staying awake and watching. The first parable is of a thief coming unexpectedly during the night. Now elsewhere in Revelation, Jesus says of himself, I will come like a thief in the night. And the meaning is that he will come at a time completely unexpected. There's only one way to protect against a thief coming in the night, to keep watch and to be ready. If the master had known the hour of the thief's coming, Jesus says, he would have stayed away. Or maybe he would have set his alarm clock to wake him up. But not knowing what hour that will be, he has to stay away all night. And it's the same with the hour of Jesus coming. Since we don't know when it will be, we must be awake, we must be ready, all the time we cannot get affo- we cannot afford to get entangled in the affairs of the world to the point that we're not ready for Jesus we cannot afford to get involved in distractions that make us forget his coming You cannot afford to get involved in sinful habits of sex and lying and cheating and cursing and mistreating other people and not be ready for Jesus because he might come in the middle of such things. And remember that he will come to judge you. You must be ready to give an account of your life to your judge and be ready any minute. Because he might come any minute. And how will you give an account of your life if he catches you in the middle of some sinful activity? You must be sure that you do not have any unsettled debts with other people nor with God. Unsettled debts, what's that? Well, that might be... Sins against you that you haven't forgiven yet. That might be sins that you have committed that others have not forgiven because you haven't asked them. That might be sins against God that you haven't repented. And it might be unused opportunities to do good to other people. Any such unsettled debt will speak against you when you face your judge. And and therefore, to be ready for his coming as a thief in the night, never get involved in activities that displease your Lord. Be quick to forgive the wrongs others did to you. Be quick to ask for forgiveness if you wrong others. Be quick to repent. Be quick to do good. You don't know whether there will be time tomorrow. You don't even know whether there will be time this afternoon. Fulfill your vows to the Lord like tithing or giving to his church. You don't know whether you can do it tomorrow. The second parable Jesus gives us is of a servant whose... To whose care the master left all his property before going on a long journey. The evil servant thinks that the master will not return for a long time and he abuses his position. He wastes his master's goods and he mistreats his fellow servants. The good servant deals with his master's goods carefully. And he cares for his fellow servants, giving them the food they need and deserve. And so here the focus of the parable is on doing your assigned work properly while expecting the day of the Lord. To stay awake and to watch means to do your work well, to do it diligently. And it means in particular to care well for those people That the Lord has entrusted to you, your family, your children, your brothers and sisters in the church, your neighbors, your colleagues. You feed them by telling them the gospel and by warning them of the day of the Lord. Jesus again emphasizes the coming judgment. The servant who is caught lazy and abusing his position will be cast out into hell. The good servant who worked well, when the master returns, will be rewarded richly. Now this parable receives a more specific meaning when we look at the parallel account in Luke 12. There, Peter asks the Lord whether he is speaking to all men and women generally or... his disciples specifically and then Jesus answers with this parable of the good and the evil servant and in that reading the commandment to stay awake and watch is given specifically to the church, to the disciples to us the master who who has left is Jesus who ascended into heaven after his resurrection the servant's Are all the disciples, the church, us? Jesus has left all his positions, that is the whole world, to the care of his church. And so the church, we, have the duty to take care of the world until Jesus returns. How so? By guarding his creation. By being a light to the world, that is, by giving proper guidance and orientation to lost people, preaching the gospel to them, and leading a life that serves them as an example. By being a salt to the world, that is, working against its moral corruption and spiritual decay. By being a witness of Christ to the world, leaving it with no excuse For not heeding his words when he returns, by being peacemakers, by feeding the world, that is, providing for the hungry and needy and satisfying the world's spiritual hunger. And so the question to you and me is are we among the good servants or among the evil servants? Do we take good care of Christ's possessions? Do we care for his creation and for the people around us? Or are we so completely self-centered that we don't care about anything around us? How will Jesus judge us individually and as a church when he returns? Brothers and sisters, Jesus left us work to do And let's get busy and do it so that when he returns, he's pleased with our work. Now, the third parable is the one we heard in the New Testament lesson. The story of the uh, the ten virgins, five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. All ten were waiting for the bridegroom to arrive... That is, for the beginning of that great wedding feast in which they had the special role of greeting the bridegroom and bringing him to the wedding place and meeting his bride. The bridegroom is Christ. The wedding feast is his union with all the saints in heaven, with the church, and the ten virgins stand for for the disciples of Christ. Their task is to wait for the arrival of the Lord, to greet him and join him in the glory of his kingdom. And now here, the focus is on preparing well for a long wait. Being ready for a long wait means you must be sure to have enough resources, resources that last until the Lord comes. In the parable... It is the oil of the lambs. The oil the virgins needed to greet the, to greet the bridegroom and to guide him to the wedding place. Five virgins were foolish. They didn't bring enough oil. And five were wise. They had planned for a long wait and they brought enough oil when the bridegroom finally came. They had enough oil when the bridegroom finally came. And when that happened, the five foolish ones were devastated. They realized, "Uh uh-oh, not enough oil. So they went to the wise ones and said, oh, please, sisters, give us some of your oil. And the wise ones said, no, sorry, it's too late now right groom is coming we need the oil to lead him to the wedding place so you go and get your own oil and that was the right thing to do because there wouldn't have been enough oil for the ten of them so the five foolish virgins had to go and buy and when they came back to the wedding place it was too late the door was shut they were left outside now What is the oil? What is the oil Jesus speaks of in this parable? The oil stands for all the resources we need to get over a long time of waiting for the day of the Lord. Spiritual resources most of all. It's true. It's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven. Should we actually keep waiting? Does it make any sense to keep watch? Will he indeed come or has he lost his interest in us? Has he forgotten about the world? Have we been misled by mere fantasies, sweet dreams about the end of time? Shouldn't we stop waiting for him? and just dive into the pleasures and business of the world? These are natural questions to ask and we cannot avoid them. So we need good answers for them. Good answers for which we need good resources. What are the resources that keep us waiting and watching? Those things that strengthen our faith and hope in the Lord. Most of all, the Holy Spirit working in us to keep the light of our faith burning, to keep the flame of our desire to meet the Lord strong. We need the Holy Spirit to give us patience, because it's hard to work, to wait. We need the Holy Spirit to help us overcome the many temptations to turn away from the end of time and turn to the world and just keep doing what everybody does. We need the word of God. It's the second resource. If you don't want to keep waiting for Jesus, you need to know the promises of your Lord And you need to know that he always keeps his promises. And how are you going to know that if you don't know the word of the Lord? We need to be sure that Jesus truly came into this world, that he died for us on the cross, and that he was risen from the dead. We need to know that we will be resurrected and we will meet him when he comes and he will take us into his kingdom. All these assurances we get from his word. How will you keep watching? How will you be ready if you don't know the word of God? We need the company of the church. We need brothers and sisters around us who give us assurance that Christ truly died for us and will give us eternal life we need to hear from them that God has forgiven us our sins and adopted us as his children through Jesus. We need to know the history of the church to assure us that we're in a very long line of saints waiting for the Lord. Faithful servants, all waiting for the master to return, all doing their work diligently while expecting him all hoping for a glorious reward from him when he comes. To know that we're wise and not foolish, we need the church to tell us what wisdom is. How will you keep watching and be ready if you're not part of the church So unless you have these resources, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God and the church, you won't make it. In Luke's account of the, these words of Jesus, he answers, "Watch, therefore, and pray that all pray always." That you be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. The Lord gives us all the spiritual resources we need to keep awake and to keep watching if we ask for them in prayer. He's ready to give Everything you need, but it is your responsibility to pray and then to seize all the resources and avail them to yourself. Are you foolish to neglect prayer? Are you foolish not to take possession of the spiritual resources God gives you? Or are you wise? Well, some of you now ask, oh, but what about faith? Am I not saved by faith? Do I have to earn my salvation by staying awake and watching for Christ to come? But brothers and sisters, what is faith if not eagerly waiting for the return of the Lord? As Paul says in Philippians 1, What is faith if not the assurance of the things we hope for? It is faith that makes you stay awake. It is faith that keeps you watching. It is faith that gets you ready for the coming of the Lord. But, you know, faith is not a zero-one thing. Too many people think that either I have faith or I don't have faith, and if I have faith, then I'm saved. Well, that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says your faith can be very weak or it can be strong. And if you realize that, you easily fall asleep while waiting, that you easily get distracted by all sorts of business and you lose sight of the end of time, That means your faith is weak. And that means you need more resources. And it's your responsibility to get them. And if you grow in the faith as the Bible tells you to do, and your faith grows stronger, you will realize that it becomes much easier to keep watch, to stay awake, to do your work diligently. And if the Lord returns and finds you doing your work diligently and finds you awake, his joy will be great. And if his joy is great, your joy will be great in his kingdom. So don't despair if if your faith is weak. Do what the Lord tells you. Pray. Ask for more resources. And be ready. Are you ready for the end of all things? Watch and pray for the assurance that his word is true and faithful. Watch and pray for your church and your place in it to remain secure. Watch and pray for the Holy Spirit to keep your faith strong and to help you overcome all the temptations and distractions of the world. Watch and pray that the Lord will give you strength and endurance to do your servant work diligently until he comes. Watch and pray that you won't be utterly surprised and caught in sinful distractions and futile business. Watch and pray that the Lord will find you worthy and send his angels to bring you home safely. Amen.